Well, does anybody have the official count until Christmas? Some child out there I know. How many days? How many? 49. How many? 29. Is that right? 29? That sounds about right. 20, if a kid said it and it's th- after Thanksgiving, you can pretty much take it to the bank. 29 days. Hey, we, uh, are, we are excited as always about any chance we have to come together to worship and particularly in a season like this uh, when we can talk about and celebrate the birth of Jesus, God's great gift of love to the world. And we have put together a devotional guide for you that is in your worship guide this morning. Um, and I hope everybody got one. These will be available at the information desk and around the building if you didn't get one this morning or you need to take a second one. This has got some daily devotion in it that you can use just uh, to focus your heart and your mind on uh, Christ and celebrating his birth to worship fully. It starts on December 1st and it's 25 days right up to Christmas Day. There are also some activities and questions. If you want to do this as a family, you can do it on your own or with kids or as a family. Uh, There's also some games and some other things in here, uh, Christmas light scavenger hunt, and there's some other things that you can do uh, just to, with your family, focus on the meaning behind the Christmas season. It can be confusing in our culture today uh, as there's so many other things that are associated with this time of year, good things, uh, but sometimes those things can distract us from the real meaning. And so we want to just give you something that you can use personally or with your family to focus as we continue in the Advent conspiracy, just trying to reclaim the meaning of Christmas and worship fully, to spend less, to give more, and to love all. So you can find more information in there, and uh, we would love for you to join us and be a part of, of that. Now, for the last several weeks, we took a break last Sunday, but for the last several weeks, we have been in a series called 30 Words, and this series has really been about what is the basic message of the gospel. If you were to take it down to its core essence, what is it that we need to know? How can we live it out and how can we give it away? And so we have, we have tried to take this, these 30 words and each week focus on a different phrase of this 30 word statement. You had last week off and you ate a lot of turkey between then and now. So I don't know how you'll do on reciting the 30 words. If you're a guest or you're new, you're off the hook. But for the rest of us, let's see if we can remember the 30 words. It starts with Jesus. Okay, here we go. Let's try it. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love. Save us from sin. Set up God's kingdom. Shut down religion. So we can share in God's life. All right, so those are the 30 words. Try it one more time with it on the screen. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. So we have looked at each of these phrases of this 30-word statement. We started with the ground of the gospel, which is that Jesus is God with us. That is the foundation of everything, that God took on flesh and came and dwelt among us. That's the real Christmas story, and we're going to be talking about that beginning next week in a new series that we're starting called Alias. We're going to talk about Jesus and who he is as told to us by the prophet Isaiah. That's the foundation, the ground of the gospel. And then there are four gifts of the gospel, that Jesus came to do very specific things. He came to show us God's love. He came to save us from sin. He came to set up God's kingdom and to shut down religion. Those are the four gifts of the gospel. And today, we're going to talk about the goal of the gospel. And the goal of the gospel is this, so that we can share in God's 
life, so that we can share in God's life. Now, as I've already said, our goal behind this series is so that you can know the gospel, so that you can know how to live it out in your life every day, and ultimately so that you can give it away. And let me just give you a little secret about this particular time of year. Most people in America today, and even around the world, know and understand that there is something about Christmas that is Christian. It's actually embedded in the name of the holiday, Christ, Christ, Christmas. It's right there. And so most people recognize that there is something about Christmas that Christians are celebrating. And so there is an expectation uh, that they will hear something about the Christmas story or they'll hear something about Jesus or what Christians believe. And so the holidays, both Christmas and Easter, present us a great opportunity to share what we believe as Christians and to tell other people about it. So I just want to give you a couple suggestions during the holiday season of practical ways that you can share your faith with other people. One question, simple question, maybe you're having it in the office or you're having it with somebody in the neighborhood, just a simple question is, will you be attending church in anywhere to celebrate Christmas? Is that part of your family tradition? Do you go to church on Christmas Eve? And then that opens up a conversation for them to respond about whether they go to church or not, or, or maybe even whether they're Christian or not, or what they believe. But it's, it's a way that you can just ask, hey, does your family do anything special on Christmas Eve? Do you go to a candlelight service anywhere? And if they say no, you can always invite them to join you here at Southside on Christmas Eve at six o'clock and come be a part of what we're doing. But it's a good way to start a conversation about, hey, where do you go to church? Do you go to church during the Christmas season at all? Another thing you might ask is, do you or your family do anything special for the less fortunate at Christmas time? And if they may say yes, they may say no, but the, here's the conversation. Why do you think that during this time of year, so many people feel it necessary to do kind things for the less fortunate? And it's just a great way to start a spiritual conversation. Uh, a third question that you might ask is just this. So what does Christmas mean to you? What, 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 is the, what is Christmas to you? And, and listen to them and listen to their response. And then hopefully, if, if they're thoughtful and, and they, they, you listen to their response and you ask engaging questions, they may ask you, well, what does it mean to you? And that sets you up to share, share what Christmas means to you. That Christmas is God's gift. It was when Jesus is God in flesh. He came to dwell among us. And you know what he came to do? He came to show us God's love to save us from sin, to set up God's kingdom, and to shut down religion so that we can share in God's life. Just simple, practical ways this time of year that you can share the gospel with people that God may bring into your path. Now, some of you may have experienced this. You may have been taught this. You may have even practiced this. Some of you may have been asked this question, and it is the question that changed your life. But some of you may remember that there was a time when we encouraged people to share their faith with a question that went like this. If you were to die tonight, do you know for certain that you would go to heaven? Yes. Everybody remember that question? Yes. We got one yes down here. Yes. Do you know for certain that you'd go to heaven? Now, this is a good question. Many of you here today have probably um, heard that question before. Maybe you've responded to that question. Maybe it started a spiritual conversation that led to you uh, praying to receive Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. L let me just share with you where I think that question maybe isn't 
isn't always uh, the best question for us today. Two problems with it, I think, that we face in 2018. This question, by the way, comes from the 1950s. Uh, this was an evangelism technique that was, uh, that, was, that was taught in the 1950s, and it has served for generations. But, but let me tell you two reasons why in 2018 we may have some problems with that particular question. The first one is this, that people don't often think much about their own mortality. In fact, most people don't want to think about their own mortality. Uh, We live in an age where we have so sanitized life from anything having to do with death that most people don't ever think about it. They don't know how to think about death. And so when you ask a question, do you, if you were to die tonight, do you know for certain you'd go to heaven? Most people have no concept of even considering their own death. The other problem is that few people today think much about heaven. Now there's probably some exceptions in the room, I would guess. But for most people, heaven is not something they think a lot about. And I'll give you evidence. If you look at the history of the songs we sing in church, there was a time when a lot of songs written were being written about heaven. But if you look back over the last 20 to 30 years, there are very few songs written about heaven. We just don't think about it much. And I think there's a connection between the fact that we don't think a lot about our own mortality and the fact that we don't think much about heaven heaven. So what I want to share with you today is this idea that when we talk about the gospel and the good news of the gospel, we need to address people and the questions that they have in real life today. Maybe some of you even have these questions today. See, people are very much aware of the way their life is unfulfilled now and how helpless they seem to be able to address life's persistent challenges and some of the big problems in the world. People are disillusioned with the idea that politics or the economics or, or that the right leader is going to solve the world's problems. And they're, they're even beginning to doubt the fact that technology is going to solve all of our problems. People are beginning to realize that the problems we face as a world, the problems we face as a society, the problems I face as an individual cannot be addressed by technology, by a politician. There are something bigger going on and they're open to spiritual conversations. They're aware of a need that exists here and now. And so yes, absolutely, as Christians, we believe the good news of the gospel is that we get to go to heaven when we die. But the news is even better than that because it is more immediate than that. Because Jesus didn't just come and die so that you could go to heaven when you die. He came so that you could experience life here and now, and for eternity with him. See, we have to find ways to communicate that the gospel is good news for people and it makes a difference, a practical difference in their life right now. So what I want to do is I want to compare and contrast with you this morning the difference between heaven when I die versus sharing in God's life. Because we just, as we read the 30 words, we just said that the goal of the gospel is so that we could share in God's life. But for many of us, we were raised to believe that the goal of the gospel is so that I could go to heaven when I die. So let's talk about the difference between the good news that we get to share in God's life and the good news that we get to versus the idea that we just go to heaven when we die. First of all, heaven when I die means I must wait to experience God until after I am physically dead. That I have to die in order to experience God's life. 
That's heaven when I die. That's what heaven when I die communicates. Versus sharing in God's life, which means I have an abundant life in Christ now and forever. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. When Jesus was communicating with his disciples, when he was communicating with all the people who heard him teach, he was constantly talking about the kingdom of God is among you. He was constantly talking about the life that God gives, abundant life, full life. He was talking about something more than just what happens after people die. But for most of us, that's the way we think. We think that I just put my faith and hope in Jesus, and when I die, I will get to go to heaven. Now, let me just share with you, uh, I think I can do this best uh, by drawing, and many of you know I'm not a great artist, so you'll forgive me in advance for for this, but let me just share with you um, this drawing that may help us to understand this. For, For some people, they believe this idea, life has a beginning, and then they live their life, and then at some point, they die, and that's it. That's all there is. Now, we know that most people don't believe this. Most people believe that there is something that happens after death. So this is death. And most people think that something happens after death. They don't know what. Maybe they think it's reincarnation. Maybe they think they get absorbed into uh, nirvana. But for most people, they believe that death is not the end, but rather it is a transition to something else. Now, as Christians... Some of us have come to accept this idea that we live our life and when we die, we go to heaven. But that's no different than most of the rest of the world. And it's not exactly what the New Testament teaches. Instead, this is what we as Christians believe. That life begins, that we were created for eternity. At some point, we come to understand what God has done for us. We come to believe and understand that Jesus took on flesh and came to live among us. That Jesus shows us God's love. That Jesus came to save us from our sin. That Jesus is setting up God's kingdom here and now. That Jesus shut down religion. I don't have to do anything to earn salvation. Jesus has done it for me. And ultimately that we can share in God's life. And when does that begin? It begins at the moment we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Now, we still believe and know that we die. But for a Christian, death is just a transition. See, we can already begin to live the fullness of Jesus' life, of the life that God came to give us in the form of Jesus. We can begin to live that here and now. We can experience that as we live. And we can be a part of what God is doing as he seeks to bring and build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. The, the, uh, the, the, the theological term for this is theosis, that we experience union with God here and now. Listen to what Peter said in 2 Peter verse 1 through 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. Now, now, just think about this for a second. What this means is that as I live my life, 
I experience the abundant life of Jesus here and now. I can be a part of building his kingdom here and now. I can be a part of bringing heaven to earth here and now. And yes, there will come a moment when my physical body will cease to live. And it will be buried. And I will continue to exist in that life with him for eternity. Until the promise of the resurrection, when God, who is already restoring all things and making them new, will even bring the dead back to life and will restore creation as it was intended to be. Isn't that good news? That's so much better news than just heaven when I die. But it's sharing in God's life here and now. Let me give you a second reason. Heaven when I die means I am still enslaved to sin and the temptation of this world. I am still enslaved to sin and the temptation of this world. So I was born in sin. Yes, Jesus came to die for my sins and forgive me of my sins. But in the meantime, I'm just struggling and doing the best I can. And you know what? I can't help it. I just have no power over this, over this addiction. I have no power over this way of thinking, over this prejudice. I have no power over this. I am just enslaved. And one day when I die, Jesus Jesus will restore me and I'll be a new creation in him. See, heaven when I die says, I'm still enslaved to sin. But, but, the good news of the gospel is that sharing in God's life means I am overcoming sin now and am already a new creation in Christ. I don't have to wait until I die to become like Jesus. I am invited to become like him even now, to have victory over sin. Listen to what it said, uh, what Brian read for us earlier, Romans 6. For one who has died has been set free from sin. This is why Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ Jesus now lives in me. I begin living the Christ life, not when I die, I begin living the Christ life right here, right now, Romans 6.11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive alive to God in Christ Jesus. Romans 6, 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. Heaven when I die means I am still a slave to sin, but sharing in God's life means I am overcoming sin and I am being made a new creation right here and right now. Let me give you two practical examples with the, of, of this. So, so one would be a person who is struggling with some form of an addiction. And they, they understand and know that they're enslaved to this addiction. And they have given up the idea that they are ever going to be able to do anything to overcome it. But not in a way that says they're going to trust in God. But rather it just says, this is just the way I'm going to live. And so, so they, they continue to live as a slave to an addiction. As opposed to somebody who's sharing in God's life says, yes, I am powerless to do anything about this. But I believe that Jesus came to set me free from sin. And through his power at work in me, I can overcome an addiction. Not by my strength, but by his strength in me. Let me give you another example. So a a woman who who maybe at some point in her life um, had an abortion and nobody even knew about it. And she has lived with the shame and the guilt of that for her entire life. And she came to accept Jesus Christ. And she understands that he has forgiven her. But she still bears this burden of this guilt and this shame of this secret inside of her. Compared to another person, another woman, who also had a secret abortion. And 
And she also came to know Christ. But rather than just understanding and hoping that someday when she died, she'd be set free from the burden of guilt and shame, she recognized that what Jesus has already done for her has set her free from the burden of guilt and shame. And she doesn't have to live under that guilt and shame anymore because she has been forgiven and has been made a new creation in Jesus, not just when she dies, but here and now. Isn't that good news? You see, when we understand that sharing in God's life means that we are bringing the life of Jesus into us, I am becoming less and he is becoming more. There is less of Gary Weber, hopefully in 2018, than there was in 2017, than there was in 2016. Until the fact that someday, yes, when I cease to breathe and I just, I just become a part, fully a part of what God is doing as he is recreating me in the image of Jesus. Let me share with you a third, a third comparison. Heaven when I die reduces the gospel to a life insurance policy. You know, as long as I've got, as long as I've got Jesus, my lucky rabbit's foot, my crucifix, my star of David, you know, something's going to pan out for me in the end. I just get all the life insurance policies I can get between now and the time that I die. That's what heaven when I die does. It reduces the gospel to a life insurance policy. Sharing in God's life recognizes that the gospel is good news both now and forever. You see, when we ask the question, if you were to die tonight, do you know for certain you'd go to heaven? It's not a bad question. It's not a bad question. It's a good question. And maybe the Lord would lead you to even ask that question to somebody. It might be a problem. But let me share with you, I think, a better question. Do you ever wonder if there's more to this life? No, I mean, I'm really asking. Do you ever wonder if there's more to this life? Do you just think that someday when I die there might be more? Or do you really wonder, is there something more that God intends for this life here and now? See, the difference is between living a transformed life and just adopting a set of theological beliefs. The difference is what you understand here and what you live out here. The difference is a faith that leads us to complacency where we're just waiting to die to experience the promises of God versus a dynamic life that is experiencing the fullness of Jesus here and now and joining him in his work to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So let me just talk to three groups of you today. Three of you may be in the room. I know it's a holiday weekend, and most of us here are are probably home folks. A lot of people are gone. People will be joining us online, listening to the podcast later. So so wherever you are, I just want to just present this to you, wherever you might be in your walk with Jesus. Maybe today you are a believer, and you understand the gospel. You know it. Maybe you didn't know these 30 words as we presented them, but you've lived your whole life, you understand the gospel. But maybe as we come to the end of this series on 30 words, you realize that there is somebody in your life, in your family, maybe even in your home, maybe somebody you'll see this Christmas season, that you need to share the 30 words with. You need to have a conversation with them, a a thoughtful, respectful conversation about what does it mean that God sent his one and only son into the world? What does it mean that at Christmas we celebrate as Christians that God became flesh? And you need to talk with somebody and have a very serious conversation. And my prayer is that the 30 words in our conversation over these last seven or eight weeks will help you to do that as you just trust in the Holy Spirit in that moment as he opens the opportunity for you to have that conversation. For others of you who are here, you also grew up in church. 
And maybe you realize that your whole life you have been religious, but you have never accepted the good news of the gospel. You've been religious, but you haven't lived your life in a relationship with Jesus. And maybe something through the course of these last seven or eight weeks, maybe something that was said today, has just jarred you. And you realize, I I need to commit my life to Jesus. I I need to enter into a relationship with him. It's not just about what I believe or I've heard my whole life, but it's about what I've committed myself to in my heart. And so maybe just in the stillness of the time that we're about to enter, a time of commitment, maybe you would just pray a prayer and just invite this Christmas season, Jesus, to be your Lord and Savior. That you've placed your faith and your confidence and your trust in him. And then finally, maybe you're here and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer. And I don't know why you're here today and maybe you've been coming for several weeks and maybe you have heard these 30 words and you've heard each of these conversations we've had about each of these phrases and maybe for some of you, it's raised up questions that you would like to sit down and talk with somebody. But, but maybe for you today, maybe today you're recognizing, I can trust this Jesus. Not a Jesus that came to add to the burden by creating a new religion, but, but a Jesus who came to shut down religion. A Jesus who isn't just waiting to bless me one day when I die, but a Jesus who is setting up his kingdom and comes to give me abundant life here and now. Not a Jesus who represents a God of revenge and judgment and punishment, but but Jesus who represents God's love for us and his grace and his mercy and the fact that he came to free us from sin. Maybe today you've come to recognize and trust that Jesus, the Jesus that brings us the good news. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to bow your heads and pray with me. Our band's going to come back up, and we're going to have a song of commitment that we're going to sing together in just a moment. And we're, we're not going to embarrass anybody. Um, you don't have to walk an aisle. You're certainly welcome to come forward during this time and pray with me, pray with others. Just pray at these steps on your own. But this morning, I, I just wonder how many of you today, as you think about the good news of the gospel, would recommit yourself, not just to knowing it, And not just to living it, but to giving it away. That you you would pray, Lord, give me an opportunity. If you will give me an opportunity and you will provide the words, I will be obedient to take a step of faith. And I will share the good news with somebody who needs to hear it this Christmas season. Maybe that's some of you who are here today. For some of you who have been confused And you have adopted a religious life, but you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe today would be your day. For those of you who have never followed Jesus, maybe today would be a day you would commit your life to entering into a relationship with him. I'm going to pray a prayer with you. It's a simple prayer. Um, People have prayed it for hundreds and hundreds of years. People who have been children, I prayed it when I was eight all the way up to people in their 90s who are just about to go and be with the Lord have prayed this prayer. It's a prayer of confession and a prayer of surrender. And if today this is the prayer of your heart, I just invite you, just in the silence of this moment, to join me in this prayer. Father, we thank you that you took on flesh and came to live among us. That you gave us Jesus 
as a demonstration and example of your love. I confess to you today that I am a sinner. My life has been broken by sin. Our world has been broken by sin. But I believe that Jesus' death on the cross was the ultimate payment for the penalty of sin. And so I put my faith and my trust in him. Not just to go to heaven when I die, but that I can begin to share in his life here and now. Lord, thank you for the good news of Jesus. And Father, may we commit ourselves to knowing it, to living it, and to giving it away. For we pray this in his name. Amen.